DJ Tens of thousands on my right, thousands by my side War between good and evil, watching our fists collide Battle for our freedom now, to the streets we ride Flags waving all around, pages full of pride This is where we make a stand, no more give or take They want to use violence on Americans We want freedom We want peace We want freedom We want peace We want freedom We want peace Enough with tyranny We come to take our country back For all citizens White, red, brown, or black Return it to a form of glory Fix the bloody crack On the crown Fetch it down It's going down She warned me that this day would come I'm like my father, go to combat with the blazing guns I survived that, then I came back, took the place I'm from To face off all these haters and the battle in the place I love You can't break me down, I'm indivisible You still see my raps if I was invisible That pepper spray tastes like chicken Hey everybody, welcome to episode 23 of Freedom Unchained. I am your infamous host, Joseph Thomas, also known as Pi Anon, and we are going to bring you some truth bombs today. I'm speaking with a patriot that is running for Congress and has first-hand expertise in what has been happening in our nation over the last few years first-hand experience with election fraud investigating it for 2020 as well as 2022 in the Kerry Lake election and his involvement in January 6th as well as the injustices of the DOJ attacking Americans including his son so strap in and get ready for one heck of a show it is going to be a little bit longer of an interview than many might be used to, but the information is too important to try to chop up into little pieces or to edit anything out. So I'm giving it to you raw, unfiltered, and at one point, I believe that those that don't want this information out tried to make the interview stop, but you will see. So thank you for being here. Make sure to share the podcast and the show out so that the rest of America can hear this vital information. And uh, after a quick word from our sponsors, we will get ready with the interview. Enjoy. Hi, fam. I am here with an absolute powerhouse. He is running for Congress and is going to shake the walls of Washington with truth, freedom, and a patriotic fervor that is truly admirable. Mr. Jeff Zink. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on your show, and and uh, and hopefully your listeners will uh, find out uh, what's going on and and truth about uh, our our uh, tyrannical government and some of the people nefarious uh, actors that are uh, trampling on our rights. Oh, amen to that. And they definitely are getting an eye-opening realization of what is going on in this country and the injustices at all because we here 
do not mince our words. And the title of the show is Freedom Unchained for a reason, because we are breaking the chains off of freedom and opening it wide for those to be able to see the truth and see the light that our nation shines when she's back to her original glory. And uh, certainly appreciate having you on and giving a chance to share what you have to offer for the January 6th fight, as well as your story. But before we get into the particulars, for my audience, uh, give them an idea of who Jeff Zink is. Can you give us a little in uh, background? Um, sure. Uh, I uh, was originally born and raised in uh, Texas Panhandle. Uh, grew up in Texas, actually went to uh, uh, Texas Tech University, was a uh, defensive back uh, for them. I uh, got into sports medicine for over uh, 40 years. I was able to take care of some of the best athletes uh, in the country, uh, in the NFL, the NBA, the NHL. Um, and then uh, once I got finished and retired uh, from that, I ended up, um, uh, you know, running for Congress. You know, one of the things that a lot of people don't know, um, back 40 years ago, when I, when I played at Texas Tech, I ended up fracturing my neck. Um, and I was left with migraine headaches and those migraine headaches were off and on, uh, throughout my, uh, 40 year career. But, um, about nine years ago, I, my wife took me to the, uh, Burroughs ER, uh, and when they uh, checked my blood pressure, they found that it was 248 over 198. Um, I should have stroked out that night, but, um, you know, God had a plan for me. But uh, over the next five years, none of the um, neurologists could figure out why my headaches were becoming more severe and more frequent. Um, after five years, I was put on 100 uh, percent disability, and um, I spent the next three years living on a, on a couch in bed and pacing the floor. That was my life. I had, I had been taken out of, uh, you know, being an NCAA basketball official, scuba diving instructor, a um, college professor. Uh, I, I was a curriculum develop, developer. I ended up, uh, you know, writing for five different, uh, you know, entities as far as sports medicine, exercise physiology, kinesiology, uh, pre-med, pre-nursing uh, classes, but also because I'm an ordained minister, uh, theology. And so one of the things that uh, happened was all of that was stripped away from me. Uh, but on December 24th of 2020, um, I had uh, an encounter with God because I had been praying. I don't want to live this life any longer, but whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I will do that and I'll be your faithful servant. Well, as uh, you know, you stand before somebody, so did Christ stand before me in my living room at three o'clock in the morning. And he basically told me, I'm gonna uh, break your headaches, I'm gonna restore your health, and I'm gonna send you to Congress to represent my people. Well, I thought that that was this, this time. However, uh, what ended up happening is, is that my election was stolen. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit uh, uh, later, but um, God has so much that he's trying to reveal to me through the Kerry Lake, because uh, I'm part of Kerry Lake's legal team. I'm part of Abe Hamaday's legal team. I'm helping with Tina Peters, um, and I've worked with uh, Texas, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, 
um, and Colorado uh, with their audits and everything else. And God has just continually been revealing more and more uh, of uh, what's been going on. And so running for Congress, you know, when people say that, oh, gosh, you know, I uh, was called by God to uh, run for Congress and everything. Was your life dramatically and uh, and and spectacularly altered or changed? And so I can say that I have a stack uh, as tall as I am and I'm six one um, that uh, a medical documentation showing everything that was going on with my life at the time. And you look at me now and everybody goes, I don't see how you're sick. I don't see how you're, I mean, you, you're completely um, changed. And so what I'm, what I'm doing is, is that I'm, I'm working for um, uh, God in order to introduce not only Congress, but our nation to uh, the cross where Christ died and, and once and for all, for all of our sins. So that's kind of a, a, a really a thumbnail sketch of, of how I got to where I'm at. Now, what happened was that was on December 24th of 2020. Um, and I said that I was just healed. I then uh, went to January 6th and I wasn't, I, I mean, I've been getting stronger and stronger uh, every day, but I was still in a very uh, fragile um position. I, I was, I could barely walk and everything, yet I walked enough that I was able to go get on a plane, go from Phoenix to Washington, D.C., stay with some relatives, uh, get on a metro train, go in to Washington, D.C., walk around all day long till the evening, go back and, and, and then get on a plane uh, uh, in two days, come back to Phoenix, and then all of a sudden, the, the world then shakes because of what's taking place. So that kind of takes you from um, where I started to uh, and how I grew up to what happened and today. That's a, a very fast travel. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that story of uh, the, the divine intervention in your life is just truly beautiful. You know, you can see the hand of work, uh, the hand of God at work in your life. And, you know, I, I actually have a, a testimony where God had healed me of some pretty severe, uh, health issues as well. And, um, I don't know if you know, uh, you said you're an ordained minister. I'm actually an independent minister, uh, back home as myself. And so the walk with God is something that I personally understand. Uh, truly I had a condition called iliococcal intussusception and that's a fancy way to say that my intestines literally got tied into a knot yeah uh, um, <clears throat> so you have a you have a uh a tie-in to the bgs oh do i you most certainly do um both of the two younger brothers uh of the singing group the bgs both died of that oh well, yeah. Um, so it's a very serious deal. It's it's something that it could, you know, if not treated and not taken care of properly, uh, uh, could cost you uh, your life. Yeah, it very well almost did. And uh, that's a, a testimony I'll give on a different day because I want to focus on your story here. But that is actually how I got into the ministry. Um, 
a short and skinny of it is while I was in my first hospital, because they moved me around quite a bit, <clears throat> uh, the person that was in uh, sharing a room with me was a very staunch atheist and would make fun of me because I would say grace over the liquid dinner that they gave me for my first day. And uh, he was there with me for three days and uh, two or two nights and three days. And on the end of his third day, he actually asked me to pray with him, which I considered a very small win. And I don't know if he went out and, you know, found his faith and got baptized or anything like that. But from going from complete mockery and scoffing to my faith, to asking actually me to pray for him as he left, um, I definitely saw the hand of God at work there. And the whole time that we were debating in that hospital room over the existence of God and uh, the tenets of my faith, people such as nurses or passersby would actually come in and ask me if I was a minister. And I kept telling them like, no, I'm just a regular guy, but I love Jesus and I know my faith pretty well. And I'll, I'll talk to anybody about it. And they kept saying, well, you should be, you I've heard you and you explain things in such a way that people can just understand it very easily, et cetera, et cetera. And um, so, yeah, that, that story of my life actually was life changing. And I've been following that path uh, ever since. I ain't perfect, but I'm, I'm just a regular guy. So, you know, if I smash my thumb with a hammer, my kids will probably learn a new language. Um, but yeah. my, faith, my faith doesn't waver. And in the situation that I'm in, and also I know the situation that you're in and that your son is in, we have to rely on God to go before us. He is our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer. And he goes before us in battle. And so just like Job said, Though he slay me, I will trust in the name of the Lord. And that is shown very well in uh, the story and also the fight that you're bringing and uh, your son, who I'm going to be interviewing here shortly. And that's, that's something cool. that I hold on, something that I hold on to dearly as well. Now, you uh, mentioned election integrity and that the election was stolen from you. A lot of times, judges, prosecutors, the media, a lot of folks will say that we have absolutely no proof, no evidence that the election was stolen. And that is a myth and a fairy tale. And that was the entire cause for us to try to, quote unquote, overthrow the government, which we all know to be complete hokum. But just to give some insight, since you have an expertise in this matter, what is it that you can tell us about election integrity for the 2020 election? Okay, so one of the things that uh, came up in the audit, and, and by the way, the Senate, the report that was given uh, there has everything that I'm about to go over in it. The problem is, is that the media, which does not have our best interest at heart, did not prey upon it, but they literally kept everything else and looked at it. It's the um, uh, the the articles with Carrie Lakes said that she mostly got defeated in there. Well, but one the Supreme Court said that one of those signature verification um, will be looked at, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit more detail here. But in that 2020 uh, audit, one of the things that people need to look at, and and just that have an open mind and think about this for yourself. Because 
you're talking to the individual that was put in charge of vetting every person that got on to the audit floor. So every person that was able to go in and take a look and, and observe what had actually happened, I'm the guy that actually did the vetting process. So when I tell you that there were Democrats on the floor, independents, Republicans, Tea Party, then you're talking to the guy that actually had to go through. And one of the requirements was they had to produce not only their driver's license and their uh, voter registration card. So I got to see whether you what uh, your uh, party was uh, and everything. Well, everybody goes, well, you probably kept all of the Democrats out because you didn't want them. No. In fact, if I got a, a Democrat that wanted to be in there, I did everything. The, well, let's put it this way. The only way that a Democrat or anyone did not get on the floor is if they said, I want to kill uh, uh, Donald Trump or I think Donald Trump needs to die. The same thing with the Republicans. If they said that I want to kill Biden and I want Biden to die, then we didn't we didn't allow those people in and they didn't get on the floor and they didn't have anything to do with it. The other is, is this. And the and the number one complaint about all of the media stating is, is that we put everybody under an NDA and I talked to them extensively. Now, we still escorted 27 people out of the building and we thank them for their service, but we asked them never to return is because they broke the NDA. But that NDA stated that what you see on this floor, you do not repeat. <clears throat> you do not repeat um, to any of the uh, media. You don't repeat it to your family. You don't repeat it to your friends. If the word gets out and gets back to us and we can verify that this is actually coming from you, then you will not be allowed to come back onto the floor. And we had it happen a few times. And so uh, that was something that uh, we were very adamant about. Well, the thing is, is that the media sat down and said, well, we have the right to know. You do have the right to know. But while we're doing an investigation, just like the police, they say this is an ongoing investigation. We will not report any results until after we have uh, come to the conclusion of that. That's exactly what we ask all of the people to do was to, to do that. So what did we find? What? Let's see. We found nine different ballots one lawful, and we had eight that were unverifiable. Unverifiable in, in the fact that um, the Senate and House passed a bill that said that the ballots needed to be a certain height, length, width, and, and depth, okay, so the thickness of it, there's some other safety features that were also imprinted. And if you know, if you've ever seen a dollar bill uh, or, uh, and you look at it, it has safety measures that were in that. Well, that's what we also had uh, uh, on those ballots and stuff. But we also had something that was very, very interesting. So on the front of the ballot, 
there was a circle that looked like a target. On the back of the ballot, it had a plus. What you had to do is, is that you had to make sure that that plus and that circle, when you held it up to the light and you could see through that paper, that that plus sign uh, matched up with that circle. One of the things that uh, it was supposed to do is, is it was supposed to, uh, when it got greater than 3% off center, then the printing press was supposed to be shut down, recalibrated to bring that right back in uh, to alignment and then spun up again. What we found was that we had as much as 1,800% off center. Now remember, you're supposed to be 3% and you recalibrate it. Think about this. Now you gotta think back to the, uh, uh, the election, the election night. We had a shutting down of uh, and and people being told that they needed to go home. Why was that? Is because the the rate that uh, Trump was getting the ballots that were going for him was at such a great rate that it actually broke all three algorithms in the Dominion machines. I'll come back to that next. So one of the things is, is that they now had to start printing these ballots. And the ballots, like I said, there were eight of them that were unverifiable. We had different colors. We had a, a yellow color. We had an off gray. We had a, a white, a pristine white, uh, a white that had, when you looked in the light and you, and you just kind of, uh, moved it back and forth, you could see a blue sheen or a red sheen on, on the paper itself. We found that it was not the same length or height or width. And again, I, I addressed the 1800% off center of that. They did not have time to calibrate. They had to start keeping the, the uh, amount of printing going in order to throw this election and stuff and we and we caught all that we we have all that and and all that evidence and the thing is is that you sit down and you look at this and you go wow all right so what other things did we find so when we started looking at the uh, uh vm 32s 33s 55s and cvrs these are huge database uh, holdings. What that is, is, is that you have uh, uh, your name uh, and, and it shows that you are an elected uh, official. Okay, I mean, uh, uh, or you're a uh, person who is registered to vote, sorry. Uh, so you're registered to vote and you're now going to uh, go to the polling place. Well, your VM32 says that you're, you're a lawful person, you're supposed to vote. You go in and you check in, that creates the VM33s uh, uh, there. Uh, and so it, it's to match that, to make sure that you are a lawful uh, uh, registered voter. Yes, you are, and you checked into a polling place. The DM55 says that yes, you casted a vote, but we don't know exactly if you actually cast that vote. Here comes the cast vote records. The cast vote records now shows that you not only cast that vote, but that vote was counted. 
So we have checks and balances in this database. Now here's the problem. See, the thing is, is that with any computer, they, they keep saying, well, these are tabulating machines. They're not tabulating machines. These are computers, garbage in, garbage out. It only does what the software engineer tells it to do. And so one of the things that we started noticing is the fact that when you slid that, uh, those um, ballots into the tabulating machine, that at certain points, all of a sudden, there was a fraction uh, uh, take place. So when we, when we started looking at the software, we started finding out that, um, uh, it, and what triggered these algorithms is this. When um, uh, Trump received more than uh, 50 ballots, then a fractionalization took place, meaning that this software would kick in and then it would take every vote that Trump got and subtract 15% from it. So he got 85%, Biden got 15%. If all of a sudden he got 100, then it jumped up to 23% and, uh, and, so, uh, and on and on. The third one, which is what is the reason why it caused the shutdown, is because it was at 200, okay? That means that for every one that Biden was getting, 200 votes were going to uh, Donald Trump. It broke the algorithm. He was getting anywhere from three to 400 votes per one vote of Biden. This was going to be one of the largest landslides. It was going to be larger than Ronald Reagan's was with Jimmy Carter. It was going to be astronomical. How did that not happen? Well, because if you remember about 1.30, two o'clock in the morning here Arizona time, everything shut down. Georgia shut down, Pennsylvania shut down, Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, all of the uh, news organizations started saying, oh, they've got so many to do. We have to do this. We have to close. Then all of a sudden, we started seeing that people then were not shutting down. Georgia, Fulton County, they have video of people after they had escorted. And by the way, the, the so-called water leak that was taking place was a leaky bath uh, uh, um, toilet and it didn't even flood the uh, bathroom, but they used it to clear out the, the deal. So now you have the, uh, from underneath the table that had been there this whole time, all of these boxes taken out. And of course you have Ruby who's there putting all of these things into the tabulating machines and, and then taking them and then putting them underneath and counting them again. And she did this over and over and over again, along with a lot of other people in Georgia. Same thing was taking place here in uh, Arizona and all of the other uh, states. So we sat down and we started uncovering all of this. So in this, not only did we not find um, all of these anomalies, but then we started finding duplicates, triplicates, quadruple, that, that where we had people that the same um, ballot was actually used 
four times, was counted four times. So um, the thing is, is that these are things that are all in the report and everybody just said, oh, there really wasn't anything there. They, we didn't find enough uh, information uh, that would actually turn over the election. No, we found so much that not only is the election not credible, but it's not credible across the country. All of these anomalies are in every one of them. And I can I and I always tell everybody, uh, if you want to, uh, you know, pick a state and pick a county, I will tell you how how much corruption went into that county uh, and stuff. This is this is something that people need to understand and know that it's not just your county uh, and say, well, it's nothing but red. So let me give you the story of uh, Tarrant County. After we had completed the uh, audit, I received a phone call from a lady there in Tarrant County, and she said that they were trying to get a um, audit done in Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Worth, Texas is a very red part of the county, Tarrant County. It's not uh, blue at all. It's very conservative and stuff. But in one election cycle, after uh, 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 this guy that I'll go into detail about um, here in just a second, he actually flipped that county in one election uh, 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 cycle. So here's what happened. I get this phone call and they said, oh, gosh, we're, we're, we have the nicest guy. He's being very friendly. He's trying to help us uh, in every way that we can and stuff. And I, I kind of snickered and I said, OK, well, send me what you're asking for. Now, I will tell you this. We weren't even in the uh, same zip code. All right. It, uh, I'd, I'd like to say that they were in the ballpark. They weren't in even in the parking lot. They weren't even in the same zip code. They were not asking for the right stuff. So I, they sent it to us and we took a look at it. We corrected it. We asked for what they wanted. And then when I when I sent it to her, I called her and I said, um, you need to understand something. The last cordial conversation that you will have with this guy. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. Two days later, he said, you know what? Right. This guy was so mean and ugly, and he's not helping. Well, our attorneys are now having to file these injunctions, and we're having to file these FOIA requests and stuff, and he's just being so ugly. And I don't understand why Hyder's doing anything. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa time out. Back the boat up. Hyder who? And she goes, Hyder Garcia. I said, do you not know who this person is? And she goes, no, I have no idea. And I said, oh my gosh, have you heard of Venezuela? And she goes, well, yeah. And Hugo Chavez and the overthrow of that. And he's now a dictator and everything else. Do you know who was over the Dominion machines? Hyder Garcia. And she goes, are you serious? I went, absolutely. Here's the next thing that happened. He did his job so well that he worked himself out of a job. He left and went to the Philippines. Who remembers six years ago, the Philippines dragging their elected officials out in the, uh, in the street and executing them? Who was over it? Hydra Garcia. 
He barely got off the island. They didn't discover him in time. He got off the island. Where did he land? Fort Worth, Texas. They hired him, thought he was the greatest thing in the world and everything else. Next election cycle, a red uh, county turns blue. It's not, and, and the thing is, is that the Republican Party keeps saying, oh, we don't have the right candidate. We don't have the right messaging. Seriously, as a congressional candidate, I'm an America first. I think Christ needs to be put back into government, into businesses, and back into our churches, our homes, and our schools. I'm sorry, but that, that messaging right there, uh, unless you are a left-wing lunatic that is hell-bent on altering and changing my children and my grandchildren, that's not going to happen in my country. That That is not something that I will tolerate and stand for. Most of the people also won't stand for it. It's not the messaging. And, and it doesn't matter how much uh, you knock on the door. When you can take a touch of the finger and you can flip a, an election and change the outcome to somebody else like uh, President Trump, who should have had 120 million votes. Biden should have only had 30 million. Now let that sink in. That's that's the numbers that should have happened on that election night. Remember, I said it was going to be the greatest landslide in presidential history that we've looked at and we've seen firsthand with what's taking place. So let's uh, let's uh, move forward. Um, one of the things that we're looking at right now is we have debt people who are voting, and that is also nationwide. It's in every one of the uh, uh, um, counties and states. So uh, we have tracked this person who passed away in 2003. We march forward in 2004, 8, 12, 16, 18, 20, we find that it, uh, this person had voted by mail in all of them except the last one. Here's the remarkable part. And I know that you saw this in all of the papers because in 2020, this person who's been dead and we have a, a death certificate, okay, this person who was dead actually walked into a polling station and voted in person. Sure, you heard all of the raves of how, uh, you know, this person that's a half skeleton walked in and voted. Um, and so we discovered that and we tried to get that information out. Um, let's let's look at what's taking place with signature verification. I said I was going to come back to that in Carrie Lake's uh, 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 part. We have mail-in ballots. These mail-in ballots, uh, once you've completed the ballot and everything else, you fold it up, you put it inside an envelope, you seal that envelope. On the outside of it, you are supposed to sign your name, your signature. You're supposed to put a, a phone number in case there's a question that somebody can call you back and, and talk to you about your ballot. And then you're supposed to date it whenever uh, you get finished on the date that you, you have sealed it and you're now sending it in. 
what we found when all of this information that was turned over to us was uh, uh, given to us, we had thousands of people that had no signatures whatsoever. It was processed and accepted without a signature. That, uh, according to the statutes alone, should be set aside and not counted at all. Here's another thing that we've also uh, started finding. We have found that it has, uh, and, and a lot of people go, well, what about husband and wife? I, I signed mine accidentally and it's my wife's and stuff like that. We don't even look at that. If, if we see husband, wife, and, and, and it's their, uh, their name, but it's just the spouse's name on there, that should be accepted. That's, that's just a, an innocent mistake. That's not the issue. What is the issue is that I have uh, my signature on somebody else's mail-in ballot. So if we have Freddie Jones right there and I got a hold of his uh, uh, ballot and I signed Jeff Zink, I'm so blatant that I don't even care. I don't even try to make it look like his name at all. I just put, I write out Jeff Zink uh, there in my signature and I put a, a, a fictitious phone number on there because it doesn't matter and I just date it and I send it in. That is accepted. That should be a question where it is pulled and set aside and not counted. We found thousands of those. We also found others where they had attempted to sign it, but let's just say that I don't, I don't know exactly what, uh, how you sign your name, but I think that it's a big J that has a big loop and, and the big loop on the bottom. So that J is supposed to be really large. And then I do some scribbling and stuff. And then I have this big T and then I have some scribbling. Well, that may be like your signature, but it looks like nothing about the other signatures that you had done previously before when you filled out your voter registration. When you uh, got your driver's license, you have a signature there. We are able to take a look at all of these other signatures and we can compare your signature on that ballot to your driver's license, to your voter registration, and, and so on and so on. So the thing is, is that we have the ability to actually do comparisons to your uh, signature. In some cases, it's not even remotely close. You can tell that this is somebody, you can tell it's right-handed, but on this particular time, somebody who was left-handed signed, signed off on it. So we, we looked at, at all of these and, and, and we had those flags and that's part of the case that's now coming back to the lower court. Now, here's another thing. The uh, uh, judge absolutely went above and beyond what the statutes in Arizona states. He placed a higher bar on uh, what uh, was supposed to take place of making our case. He placed that we had to uh, show him intent, that there was intent to do that. Our statute says that we are able to um, find question, uh, questionality. 
So it just makes the election questionable. So I think at this point, what I have presented has already overwhelmingly shown that we have questions in regards to the uh, legality of our uh, uh, elections. Here's one more thing. In the hearing under oath, Steve Richer, the county recorder, Maricopa County recorder, stated under oath that 2.9 million ballots are now uh, uh, lose chain of custody when the mail-in ballots goes to the polling place, to the um, uh, the uh, UPS, uh, uh, U UPS, US, I guess, uh, uh, which is our, our uh, mailing uh, our ballots in, all of these lose their chain of custody when it goes to the MC Tech to run back and from run back back to MC Tech. So here's, here's chain of custody. This is why I want to talk to people about understanding chain of custody. So one of the things that I taught was forensics at the college level. And one of the things that needs to take place, we have a crime scene. We have to take pictures. We take those pictures, we, we take a look at it, and we see it. Then at that point, we then are able uh, to package that up. And when we package it up, we put it into an envelope, and we seal that envelope, and we make an initial, and we have a date and a time. Then we have to uh, state we leave the uh, facility where we're headed, and we have to have a date and a time. We have to count every bit of the evidence. Okay, and then once we uh, arrive at the uh, forensic uh, lab, we have to turn it over and that person has to sign it, receiving all that information and, and everything else. And then it goes on from there. So one of the things that needed to happen with Maricopa is that at a polling uh, place, if you start the chain of custody, that means that the person drops it into a, uh, a box. Once that box is then opened up, then you are supposed to count all of the pieces of, uh, of uh, ballots that are in there and have and then write that out. And then who, who did it, who was witnessing it, stop, uh, uh, date and time stamp it and everything else, put it into a, a bigger box, seal that box, and now put that on. And that's now supposed to go to MT Tech. MT, uh, tech, MC Tech is supposed to then accept it, count it, verify that they had that number and, and it hadn't changed. Once they've done that, then they box it back up. They send it to Runback, where Runback then does the same thing and then uh, uh, has an accountability, opens it up, and starts counting it. Once they start counting it, then they'll send it back there and uh, to MC Tech. Not one step that I have described ever takes place. The opportunity to insert and take out envelopes at any point at any stage can happen. When chain of custody is lost, then none of this can be accepted. 
And so, and that's the number one thing that we need to set and we need to look at. And that was under oath and testified and was part of it. And this was not ruled on by this judge that's now getting the case back a second time and stuff. He placed that there had to be intent. There doesn't. It has to be that there's a question about that. That in itself should be the largest question mark that anybody uh, uh, ask is the fact that you can't secure what is happening to these ballots until after it reaches run back and then is sent back and it's still never verified by MC Tech. That in itself is a huge problem and the 2.9 out of the 3.1 million uh, 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 ballots is more than enough to affect any of the uh, uh, races that were in Arizona. Yeah, you're looking is that, at over, is that enough information for you? <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, that's over 70% uh, flaw. And no, I know a lot of my listeners uh, paying attention to the Cary Lake election of 2022 noticed that a lot of the election machines got shut down. People were sent home. Uh, a lot of voters were disenfranchised. Uh, what kind of insight t can you give us on to, to those actions there? Okay. So one of the things that also came out in that um, uh, trial, which what we presented was the fact that not only did they um, take a 19 inch PDF file but then they blew it up to formulate to the 20-inch paper ballots. Now, it doesn't sound like much. However, remember what I said about uh, the uh, uh, tabulating uh, counters. It is a computer. Whatever it is told to do, it will do. And so by, by blowing this up, what it does is, is that uh, when everybody looks at the uh, ballots, they see these boxes on the sides, all right? Those those boxes on the sides are alignment guides. And so uh, the computer reads those and it takes a look at them and it says, okay, I, I now know that this is an area that I must go across and take a look at and see. However, if it is shifted or moved and it's not aligned properly, you're going to get an error. When you get an error, it's then going to reject that ballot. We know that's exactly what happened because we went under, uh, uh, again, under testimony and under the penalty of perjury, they stated that they didn't go in and calibrate for that adjustment. So what ended up happening on election day here in uh, in in our uh, state was that we were getting a, a rejection of about seven thousand ballots every thirty minutes. Let me rephrase that: we were getting fourteen thousand rejections an hour, every hour. On the uh, uh, throughout the entire day, that never changed. The only time it changed was right uh, uh, at the start of the uh, voting process, like at six o'clock in the morning. Uh, there wasn't that rate, 
and there wasn't in the last uh, part of it at seven o'clock to eight o'clock. Those were the only two hours that did not average 14,000 rejections an hour. That's where we started getting the long lines. That's where we started getting the people frustrated. That's the reason why what we started finding out uh, was the fact that we have so many disenfranchised voters that checked in, okay? They, they literally checked in to a polling place, saw the lines, couldn't get through, started having the rejections, spoiled their ballots, redid it again. I had the same thing happen. I had, I had to, I took my first ballot, went through uh, it. Um, it was rejected eight times. I then spoiled the ballot, got a new one out there, and I went, look, Jeff, you're better than this. You're, let's let's look at and let's use your forensic deal. So what did I do? Uh, the lady was like, going, why are, why are you holding this up to the uh, you know to the sunlight and everything next to the uh, um, window that was there? And I said, because I'm looking at at some uh, at something. And she goes, well, you can't do that. And I looked at her and I said, it's my ballot. I can do what I want. And so I continued looking at it. And sure enough, I found five. Remember of the boxes, those are alignment boxes. One of the the things is, is I went in and I highlighted and colored those five in because they were so light that you really couldn't recognize any uh, of the uh, boxes itself. So when I did that, I put it in for the 11th time and guess what happened? It was accepted. This is something that I sat down and I, and I started talking to people and going, did you have any problems? Yes, I did. And it, it wouldn't accept it. And I finally had to put it in door three, which is it's to be counted later if necessary. Okay. I'm sorry. Every vote should count. Every vote is necessary, but the way it was explained to us, if necessary, we will then open these up and we will count them. So again, these are these are issues uh, and problems that are are uh, tremendously uh, a, a, an issue that we need to set down and we need to get rid of. In every listener, you need to call your representatives at your your both your state and your federal. So all of the the House of Representatives and the senators at the state and federal level, you need to be burning up their phone. You need to be emailing them. You need to tell them they cannot have these uh, tabulating computers there because it uh, it will change the outcome. In fact, we even had this where one lady, um, uh, I think it was West Virginia, that not only went from last place, she finished last. How she got uh, a, a hand count was because she got zero votes. Now, she asked her husband, did you vote for me? And he said, yes, I did. And she goes, are you sure? And she goes, yes, I voted for you, sweetheart. She knows she voted for herself. So out of all of the people there, she should have had two votes. She had zero votes. When they opened it up and they hand counted, not only did she finish first, but now she is the representative. 
That is how bad these machines are. But people don't know that. And I do because I'm right in the middle and I'm getting these stories and I'm helping these people. And we're we're looking at it and our legal team and our data team is astronomical. I mean, they, they are so great at literally ripping apart this data and stuff. Here's another thing. Now that we've had with Carrie Lake, we've had the um, the lower court now having to look at it. Here's the other problem we have. Guess who's not turning over the data so we can continue the process? The Republican Party. They are in control of that data. They will not give us, the legal team, access to the data again so we can continue doing it. They're basically just saying, nope, we don't, we don't want this being out and everything else. What do you have to hide? Well, they, they have uh, a lot to hide because the Uniparty, okay, and I just call them for who they are. They're not rhinos. They're not Republicans in name only. They are Democrats that have infiltrated into the Republican Party. You need, as and your listeners have got to get this in their head right now, and saying that when you look at this, this is no longer a Democrat or a Republican Party. This is a... Uh, good versus evil party. So that individual, either they they acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They need to be America first. They need to be for the Constitution. And if they don't say that, and they don't, and and again, let's don't uh, look at words. Let's look at actions. Let's see what that person has been doing. What have they been, uh, you know, uh, doing for the, the people, we the people? If you have somebody like myself who has literally been at January 6th, went to the audit, has went to all of these others, have got all of this overwhelming information that I can dump on you. And I've got and, and we've got the proof. I mean, we can we uh, we've already entered it into a court of law. It's been uh, it's now being ruled on again. But the thing is, is that, our, you know, just with like Carrie Lakes, our legal team now has been split in two. We have a lower court uh, uh, where our attorneys are having to work. But the other six that was ruled against is now in district Supreme Court where it's being heard there. So we've got our, our legal teams now split in two. So we're trying to, you know, continue the fight. This will go all the way up to the Supreme Court where it'll be listed and stuff. Um, the other thing, too, if people don't know this, but the Brunson case, which is so important because uh, you, the, the deal is we have a judge in Italy that uh, heard a case and convicted for life two people that did what? Election tampering. They actually were able to get into our computers, Dominion, and alter our uh, uh, election. Okay. And the judge was so scared that he sent on January the 2nd, every congressman and every senator a packet explaining and showing all the evidence. And what did they do? They did nothing. They're complicit in this overthrow of a duly elected official. 
And that is living proof of what's taking place. Now, the problem is, is the Brunson brothers are good attorneys, but they're not Supreme Court attorneys. And so it got kicked out twice because they didn't have the ability to uh, uh, articulate at that level uh, there. So now they've got uh, uh, Supreme Court attorneys that have been before these judges that have now understand and been brought up to speed. And now they're going to be addressing the Supreme Court, but that's coming back up again and everything. And Kerry's going to be heading there. Um, and then we've got uh, 280 votes that separate Abe Hamaday, the uh, attorney general, uh, with Chris May, who right now is the attorney general, but she did it fraudulently because only 528 votes separated the two of them when they did a hand count of only two precincts, they cut it in half. Why don't go ahead and do a hand count across the state and get the real number, which would be Abe would win. And now we have a Republican in the AG office, not a Democrat. And the thing is, is that, so what we've done is, is we've literally gone in. So here's the other case that's going on with Abe Hamaday. Say uh, I have uh, a house in Phoenix and a house in Payson. So I have a, a winter home and I have a summer home. And we stay about six months out of the year in, in each one of them. But because the election is in November, you have, um, uh, you, you, we always vote from the Phoenix home, the residence um, and stuff. So three months prior to that, without my permission and without my knowledge, Someone goes into the service Arizona. Well, how did that happen? Because in our investigation, we discovered that Katie Hobbs, the secretary of state, gave all of the NGOs keys to the front door of service Arizona. Well, what is service Arizona? Well, that's where you get your driver's license. That's where you register your vehicles. That's where you pay your, your taxes on, on all of this every year. And it also asks you, do you want to register to vote? And do you want to register uh, to vote as a mail-in ballot? You actually have to check that off in, because it's automatically checked in so that you become a mail-in uh, ballot. I don't want to be a mail-in. I want to be a, a, a day of uh, the election voter. So in this, Unbeknownst to me, three months prior to that, they've changed my address that I've, I've voted from for 20 years to Payson. I now go the day of the election and I walk in and I say, hey, I'd like to vote. And they go, well, you're not registered to vote here. You're, you're registered to vote in Payson. What do you mean? I didn't, I didn't register to vote. Well, it has there that clearly it says on this date. I didn't do that. Well, I'm sorry, but you are registered to vote in Payson. You must go there. Well, if you went showed up at three or four o'clock in the afternoon, there's no way for you to get from Phoenix to Payson before the polls close. So what do you have to do? You have to vote provisionally. But because you're voting out of your precinct, that vote will not count. They disenfranchised over 5,000 voters. They were all Republicans. We now have stumbled across this other whole scheme of what's taking place 
there. So hopefully your listeners will will sit there and I've and I've walked through this information. It's a ton of information and it's extremely fast, but it's because I've been living, eating, and breathing this for two years, and I know exactly what's going on. So when I go to Congress, when they tell me, "Well, you really don't know," how how well is that going to go over with me when I have sat and watched firsthand? And these tabulating computers have got to go. We need to go back to one day voting. Uh, you know, we can do it over a week if we if we need to for convenience. But if we pass a bill that says on Tuesdays we make it a national holiday, then you're going to have lots of people that are, are available to do that. But one day voting, paper ballots, hand counted, results uh, the next day, you know, or that night. Uh, it can be done. I know in 1980, when I cast my first vote for Ronald Reagan in his first term, I I went in uh, at 3.30 and at 11.30 that night, we were celebrating that Ronald Reagan had won. We can go back to that and we can we can change this and go and do this. But hopefully people will go back and listen and and try to get a grasp of what's going on literally to help them understand that it's a government, it is the media, and it is uh, your elected officials that are working against you, the individual, and our founding fathers. And God said that if you follow my rules, this is God stating, you follow my rules, I will put uh, people in place, but it is your job to elect them that are godly, that have a moral compass. Because if you remember, Benjamin Franklin was asked this question. So what did you give us, a democracy or a republic? And he said, I've given you a republic if you can keep it. The only way that this country survives is to have people that have a moral uh, a turpitude that literally uh, has the focus of not what is for me, which is what we have now, but what is it that I can do for you? It goes back to Kennedy and it says, do not ask uh, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. That's a blue dog Democrat. And most of those Democrats that are alive and well today do not agree with what's going on, and they have no idea what this Democratic Party is, which is a socialist Marxist uh, uh, group. You have definitely tickled our brains with the information that you've given us from both the 2020 election as well as the 22 uh, election of Kerry Lake. And, you know, of course, we all scratch our head and raise our ears when we, when we realize that Katie Hobbs being secretary of state means that she's in charge of the election in which she was running. But of course she did not recuse herself, which, you know, would have been more ethical, but ethics escapes them for some reason. Now um, I do know that the United States postal service has entered a patent for an election system based on distributive ledger. 
and my audience may understand this more as blockchain to give instant results, um, unalterable and uh, perfectly tracked, counted and authenticated uh, ballots for every individual. Um, do you have any insight onto uh, of that and its implication in any possible future elections? Well, one of the things is, is that, um, you know, the, the statement has been that we can have Dancing with the Stars and in uh, five minutes have 54 million people cast a vote and they come back and they and they give that that determination. Now, the thing is, is that the blockchain, obviously, everybody uh, that um, uh, is in that realm with uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain and the, the metadata and everything that's taking place, um, I, I function very well in this, in this realm. Um, and uh, a very quick thumbnail sketch. Uh, the reason why the blockchain is so secure is because you and I know each other. We say we know each other. When a third person comes in and says, well, I know you, and I go, I don't know you, and you go, I don't know you, then they cut that person out, and they're not part of that, that chain. But if you say that you know them, and I say that they know them, now they're in our block of, of people, and that block keeps going, and eventually, it's like uh, seven degrees of, of Kevin Bacon. You know, everybody knows somebody that is somebody that, uh, you know, uh, knows Kevin Bacon. And that's that big game that, that's, that's out there. Well, the great thing is, is that um, this is something that uh, it takes place inside of a, a computer where you can actually do that. Now, the, the other uh, deal is, is that what happens when you get one person that, that says that that's a false person and another false person comes in and, and they do this and you, you end up uh, now stacking another set of, uh, of uh, falsified chains in there. Well, if it's a computer system, they'll catch them a bit. But what happens if they, they've got the anomalies in there where you know AI is starting to be very very good at what they're doing. We've got uh, you know interactions with AI uh, taking place now, and and they're they're getting better. That there there is a premise, and a lot of my uh, uh, very good analytical people state that it would only be a matter of time before they can mimic that. So. One of the things that we keep saying is, is that if we do this at the precinct level, precinct level means that I'm a, I'm a precinct committeeman. I am responsible for 125 people. I go and I talk to them. They invite them to the house. I help them understand what the Republican Party is doing. Um, I ask them to also become a precinct committeeman. It's the grassroots. Let's let's take this at, at the, the level that our, our founding fathers said. If we do a printed ballot and it has to go through the checks and balances of, of everything there, and um, I, I'm issued 125 ballots, that's it. I, I don't get any more than that. Then we go to uh, a sign-in book where somebody has to literally put their signature, we verify them, 
and let's let's make it a fun deal. We have the day off, and um, I have it at my house. Remember, my precinct is a very small precinct. It's only about seven or eight blocks long. I have 125 people that I'm responsible for, and I have to account for 125 ballots. Now, one of the things is, is that I sat down and we sign, we have these people sign in with their signature. We verify that. We hand them a ballot. They, they ballot. They walk in the backyard. We're flipping burgers and, hand, you know, and the kids are playing in the backyard and, and we're sitting around. We're talking. We go all the way to seven o'clock. Polls close. Let's say that 25 people didn't show for whatever reason. They didn't they didn't uh, uh, show up. Uh, and so there's 25 blank ballots with 25 blank signatures uh, of people that were supposed to be there but didn't show up. I have to take those and I have to put those in, in, in a box, that same box that everybody dropped theirs in. Then what I do is, is that uh, after seven o'clock, I've got my kitchen table and all 125 people can stand and they can watch. And I start counting and I and I count those votes. And for that, I, I come and I make a, a piece of paper uh, uh, for that. And it's a tabulating uh, that's already pre uh, done. And so I then tally all the races and everything else while people are watching me. And this is going on at the precinct level uh, throughout the entire uh, country. Let's say that it uh, only takes me. Um, to do a hundred ballots, it, it's going to take me, um, let's see now I'm, I'm one of the foremost leading authorities. So a uh, hundred ballots is going, and, and depending on how many races, let's just say that there's 200 races because you've got precinct, you've got, uh, um, you know, the, the judges and all of the other things. So not only is it a presidential race and Senate and, and congressional, but then you've got your uh, state representatives and everything else. So you have you have all of those. That means that I have to count that 125 uh, or 120 or, or no 100 ballots, um, and it's going to be 20,000 different uh, scenarios. So there's so it it represents 20,000 ballots. So each one of those. And the thing is, is that that would uh, 20,000. Uh, at the rate that I'm able to do that, would, it would take me less than two hours to do that. 20,000 by myself, uh, uh, less than two hours. So I'm going through this and I'm, and I'm uh, uh, looking at that and doing this in front of everybody, but I'm, but I'm tabulating every race. Once I'm done with that, I then package everything up, put it in the box, we seal it, now I put it into my car. I have people go with me. I have other people that drive in front or behind me, and we go to our legislative district. Then I, I find somebody that I know or, or don't know, but in your legislative district, you should know everybody. And so we're going to exchange our ballots. So let's say that we went from 7 o'clock. It's now 9 o'clock. It took me 30 minutes to... Um, drive to the legislative district. We've now done that. Let's say that we burned a complete hour. It's now 10 o'clock. At 10 o'clock, we start. It takes us two hours to do that. 
the fastest we could have the results in that precinct would be 12 o'clock at night. All right. I, I've now looked at this guy's deal and, and I verified that it's correct. He verified that mine's correct. We now sign that. Now we've created an affidavit. We go to prison if we falsified any documents whatsoever. We now fax that in to the Capitol and then they report the results from those. So around 12 o'clock, let's say that there's a discrepancy. And so now we have to recount. The worst case scenario is around two o'clock that the final results start coming in. We do this. This is what they did in Florida. This is what they did in um, uh, Texas. Florida is uh, twice the size of Arizona. Texas is three times the size of Arizona. They both had their results by the end of the night. We can also do that, and every state can do that, and it's very easy in how, how to go about doing this. So, uh, briefly, are you for or against voter ID? Oh, I'm absolutely for voter ID. I think that you should have to uh, present an ID, a, a driver's license that has your picture on it, um, that you have to be uh, a, a citizen of the United States, um, that you do not get a what is called a federal ballot uh, just because you walk up. Right now in Arizona, you can get what is called a federal ballot. I don't have to produce an ID. I do not have to produce a resident. I don't even have to produce anything whatsoever. I can say, I'm here, I'm a citizen, and I want to vote. Um, where do you live? Well, I live right down the street. Okay, do you have anything that proves that? Nope. Um, do you have a driver's license? Nope. Um, do you have anything that says that uh, who you are? Nope. Okay, here's a federal ballot. This is in Arizona. Okay, we had several states pass similar laws that allows anybody to walk up and get a federal ballot, which means they can only vote for the federal uh, deal, president, uh, Senate, and Congress. They can't vote for the rest of it. Why not? If you're doing it for the federal, why not the state? But let's do it one other thing. You have to be a, a citizen of the United States in order to cast your vote. No, absolutely. And I'm pretty sure that my audience would agree. You know, we should be able to show an ID and be a lawful citizen for the district in which we are voting. And <clears throat> as we know, you know, you need an ID to get everything, everything. You want to buy a pack of cigarettes. You want to get buy a beer. You want to, you know, get anything done through the DMV to rent a house to, you know, even get a job most of the time you have to present identification and prove your citizenship. And, but yet there's a long list of things that you have to give ID for, uh, except for voting. And that is a, a huge, huge problem in my opinion. Oh, it absolutely is. And, and one that uh, it strikes at the very heart of uh, what we're trying to do and what we're trying to, um, uh, you know, salvage. That's one of the reasons why we have our open borders. This is all connected. 
All right. You flood. And, and the thing is, is that we've already had since 2020, we average um, uh, 1.6 million people a year come through Arizona. Now, think about that. That's just Arizona. That's not Texas. That's not New Mexico. That's not California. Uh, you know, California takes everybody. And now they're complaining that they're going broke and want the rest of the country to bail them out. I'm sorry, you created this. It's your mess. You bail yourself out. I and, and it's and again, it's the same thing. It's coming after. Well, but I went to college and I have this debt and I need, you know, you who never went to college and made money the whole time I was in college doing stuff that you need to pay off my uh, loans. No, you created them. You pay them off. You're responsible. Stop making the other people responsible for your issues, which are really good about politicians. Politicians are real good about using other people's money, but when it comes to their, their money, you don't see that on the line anywhere. So we need to stop all this. Okay, let's transition to January 6th. Obviously, you have shown that there is evidence of electoral fraud and those that went to January 6th asking our representatives to investigate. You know, one point I bring up all the time is that 100 members of Congress brought forth suspicions of fraud and requested an investigation, and it was shut down. You know, Mike Pence, for example, said that constitutes debate and is not allowed. And therefore, they vacated the idea of any sort of election in 20 or uh, investigation, excuse me, in 2020, uh, even though there was a constitutionally allotted 10 day grace period to where they could look at the ballots before they gave it the rubber stamp of approval. America knew that the election was stolen, despite what the media said and everybody else. And so we showed up in mass to give a voice to those representatives that brought suspicion forward. Of, of electoral fraud to speak up for election integrity. It is a foundational principle of our nation and its infrastructure. You went to January 6th. What was your purpose for going and kind of give us an insight of uh, that day and how it played out for you? Oh, absolutely. Well, the reason why I went was because I thought that there was going to be a constitutional election, which was the first constitutional election in, in American history. And I wanted to be there to see it. So let me explain what a constitutional election looks like. And, and by the way, what you just described before asking me that question is the heart of the Brunson case. That's exactly what the Brunson case is about, was yep. the, the fact that they were supposed to investigate. So one of the things that um, we, uh, or why I went, uh, and, I, and my son went with me. And the thing is, is that he was with me 100% of the time. He didn't go anywhere that I didn't go. So I went because a constitutional uh, uh, election was that Arizona would object to their electoral college votes. Georgia would have been a next. Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. Maybe Michigan and Minnesota, but probably by the time that we had Arizona, Georgia, and Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan and Minnesota uh, might have waffled, but I don't think that, that Wisconsin would have. 
And so we would have had three states. Now those three states would have prevented either one, either side from obtaining the 269 electoral votes that it takes to become president. So what happens if that, if that takes place? These states withhold their electoral college votes. It goes to the Constitution. The Constitution says that you must now go to the state representative of the House of every state. They get one vote. They have to vote party lines. 31 states were controlled by the Republican Party. That meant that 31 states would have voted for Trump. That's more than 25. Trump would have been our elected president through a means that is very obscure and very few people knew, but I had zeroed in on it at the very beginning going, we have the, I, I truly believe this is going to happen. By the time we walked onto uh, the Washington Monument and heading to where President Trump was going to uh, speak, by the time we got to through the crowd and, and got to the area there, the Secret Service would not allow Ryan to have his backpack, which had his camera, his video, his computer, his iPad, all, all, and uh, all of the batteries and everything there. They, they said, no, we've already had too many. We're not allowing anybody else to do that. So we sat and we looked, and where we were going to have to be at, you, you couldn't really see President Trump very well. We would have to back up uh, another 50 feet just to get in front of one of the television uh, uh, viewing screens that they had. And you, we couldn't really do that because people had already got in. They'd already started setting down and, and had locked all these areas down. So we weren't really going to get a position. And I said, look, if we're not going to be able to see anything, uh, you know, or, or anything else, we can go to the Capitol and we can uh, set and we, we'll just pull it up on our phones and we can watch it live on our phones and, uh, and we'll be right there at the Capitol anyway. We'll get to see uh, more than likely Mike Pence and, uh, and some of these people drive in and stuff, which they did. And we were able to uh, you know, cheer them on and stuff and they walked into the uh, Capitol. Um, and we were at the barriers and we had the, the uh, Capitol Police and, and we were talking to the Capitol Police. We we're talking to all these other people. At no time did anybody go, hey, we need to break through this. We need to, we need to go do, you know, anything nefarious. Not, none of that happened. We were talking about, well, what do you think is about to happen? Well, you know, and so I'd tell them what I just told uh, everyone that I thought it was going to be a constitutional election. And I and and so a lot of people hadn't heard that. So I was able to sit and talk to a lot of people and bring them up to, to speed about our constitution. So then all of a sudden, uh, Ryan and I were looking and to the left, then all of a sudden some guys started getting into it with the Capitol Police. And uh, Ryan started taking a whole bunch of pictures and everything else, and then it subsided. And then it started up again and everything else. Well, then right in front of us, the Capitol Police came and they unhooked the bicycle barriers 
and opened it up for us. And we've got on camera uh, a guy waving us on and telling us, hey, come on, and, you know, go up there, get up there as close as you can to the Capitol. It's okay. So we do that. I'm the first one that that actually that I go, the Capitol Police said it's okay. Let's just let her, let's yell and scream real loud. Maybe they'll hear us inside and maybe it'll spur them on to do the right thing. I didn't see anything wrong with it. So again, you have to remember, I was I was healed, but my body hadn't started responding uh, and stuff. So I was still pretty weak. So we didn't run down uh, there. We walked very slowly. We got to the steps. By the time we got to the steps, the people had already gone uh, to the door. And so um, we went up the stairs and we turned right and went to the Senate side on the porch. And I wanted to do that so that I could take this big, long film. And, and I was literally panning across all of the people that were there. And as I was panning up and I came onto the porch and everything else, and I came to the window is when I recorded Hunter Emke jumping up on the ledge, kicking three uh, window panes, then punching two more, and then having the Capitol Police sweep his legs out from underneath him, put him on the ground, handcuff him, stand him up and everything else. And, and uh, it went on. Well, unbeknownst to us, months later, after we started looking and I was looking at all of the different uh, people that were and reading their, you know, what had happened. That's how I know who this kid is that I did because I started reading it. And I was like going, wait a minute, this is the kid that jumped on the ledge. He did that. So that's how I got his name. What I found out was, is that 20 minutes after we stopped filming, he was released he was, he was allowed to go and they told him, go away and don't be, come back uh, and be a part of this anymore. And so he then is able to go someplace else. I don't know. I've got several people that said that they've got him recorded uh, in other places. We, we need that video to confirm that. Um, but uh, he's allowed to go home. He goes back to California. And this is somebody that not only when he was being arrested, my son blocked three other guys from charging the police to try to break this up. And you can hear him clearly on on the uh, video stating that leave them alone. They're just doing their job. This guy broke the law uh, uh, to the point of me handing them one of my congressional candidate cards and said, contact me. This has my email and my phone number. If you have any questions, we have video in regards to what he did. Um, I want him prosecuted to the full extent of the law. And so he was released. He goes to California. He stays with his, uh, with his family. On March uh, 13th, he is then asked to come to the federal building in California where he appears before the judge and the judge then reads him what he has, is being charged with. Uh, none of which is uh, interference of a congressional hearing, uh, trespassing or anything else. It's actual breaking of the windows. That's, that's all he's charged with. <clears throat> 
Now, one of the things that also took place is, is that the FBI or the um, uh, Capitol Police never contacted me in regards to um, uh, what had transpired until, uh, uh, I mean, later, a lot later. Um, and, and what had happened was, is that on March 13th, he had been, uh, you know, reigned and, and was told that the, you know, these are the charges and that he wouldn't appear uh, to uh, be sentenced until uh, September uh, of that year. So he is released on his own recognizance. He is allowed to, uh, you know, attend school, work, uh, live his life. So something that you might find interesting, and I'm not sure if you're aware, but the uh, Capitol went through some renovations where they had actually reinforced uh, bulletproof glass, et cetera, uh, of most of the windows, except for a few at the point of January 6th. And those few windows that were not reinforced are all of the breach points where the windows were broken. Uh, to get in. And for those that knew which windows to break, to me, raises a red flag. <clears throat> so oh, that's absolutely. something that you might want to look into in the defense of your case. Now, um, quick, couple quick questions. Uh, did you go into the building? No, we did not. All right. And so have, uh, I know Ryan is, is, is fighting a case, uh, your son, but were you arrested? I was not. In the fight that you have been giving for January 6th, and I know you're running for Congress, so I want to uh, touch on that before we uh, cut this out. We've been doing this for about an hour and a half. I, I really appreciate your time. And the information that you're giving is just top shelf. What? Well, I hope. I, what I hope is, is that um, not only am I a congressional candidate, I'm hoping that I'm literally laying the foundation. Nobody knows the tent of the heart. Uh, the way that we find the tent of the heart is that we have to look over time the fruits of what a person has been doing. It is vitally important. You know, while I can't read somebody uh uh, and and what they really truly mean by the words that they say, the actions that they do. But over time, I can start to do that. What I'm hoping is, is that not only is the, the fact I am a J6er, my son's a J6 defendant. Now, there's a difference because I have not been arrested. The FBI cannot arrest me. I was already a duly processed and was already a true candidate for Congress. And because of that, the U.S. Marshal has basically told the FBI and the CAA to sun doesn't shine, that they're not getting involved. And because of that, that is the, that is the difference between why my son is now, here's the other son was on my congressional staff. He was there on my behalf to take pictures and to record my events that was taking place during that day. So he should be given the same latitude that I am given because of that. And, and we know that the FBI and the CIA 
have broken the law and have and and have no regards to the law. So there's a huge difference in what's taking place. Hence the other reason why I'm so disappointed in our congressmen, our elected officials. We have good ones, but we don't have the best. The best would be in the gulag every night talking to the uh, J6 people. We have people that are being tortured. We have people, I get, I get these phone calls. I'm on phone calls on a regular basis. That's how you and I met, was on a, on a similar uh, phone call. But I get on there and I listen intently and I start asking questions. What are these guards' names? What are, you know, what has happened? Do, can you give me the time date of when this happened? What we do is, is then I turn around because I work with about 160 different attorneys. I turn this information over to that attorney or I turn it over to our attorneys and I say, you got to, you got to uh, go after this. Well, they're not my client. Doesn't matter. FOIA requests, we have to get this information out of there. And so we're, we're trying to get all of these egregious um, things that they're doing to our innocent people because they're separating us and they're and they're they're cutting us out just like a shepherd dog does with the sheep if you if you teach them that you've got you zero in on this sheep it will cut it out from the flock and it will pin it down that's exactly what's going on right now and the fact is is that we do not have a congressman every night when i'm elected I, you can assure me that if we still have people that are uh, in that prison and everything else, I will be there. I will get done with my day and then I will go down and I will go to that prison. Even if I have to spend the night there and get up the next morning and go back there, I want to talk to these prisoners. I want to know their story. I want to know what they're doing to them. And if they're mistreating them, I want them to point out who it is so that these guys aren't put into uh, isolation. They're not tortured further. They're not, you know, there's times that uh, we, we were, I was on a, uh, a conversation uh, two months ago and a guy actually gave me the names of the guards that were abusing him, gave us the dates and the times. We FOIA'd those he is exactly right. They were uh, mistreating him. They were hitting him with batons and, and stuff. And the fact is, is that nothing has been done because the attorney has been denied access to them. The family has been denied access to him. This is an ongoing problem. You cannot, just because they, they told on these guards that you can't prevent them from being seen and if that's the case, where are our congressmen? Why are they not going down there going, I want to see this person. This is who I want to see. Show me them. And, and if they're not, take the U.S. Marshals and then start arresting the guards. And you can take control of this, but we have to be the aggressor. I'm tired of defending and always being on my back heels of having to do something. I want us to start taking the Constitution and literally, uh, you know, if you don't like it, shove it down their throat or shove it somewhere else. I don't care, but we're going to start living the, the rule of law, not mob. And I'm tired of what's going on 
So we could start taking back our country if we had leadership. And that's the reason why everybody's so fearful. If Trump gets back in, holy cow, the leadership that's going to take place and, and what he will expose is astronomical. Re look at what was uh, has already been exposed and he's not even in office and yet it's still being exposed. So we need to keep doing what we're doing, but we need to have people that are coming in. President Trump can't do it by himself. He's literally going to have to have congressmen and senators that actually know what's going on. I happen to be one of them. And he thinks that he, he never has to worry about my loyalty because I've been fighting ever since the, the election was overthrown. I've been fighting and proving what has happened, uh, not only in Arizona, but nationwide. And I know who my president is. And this, you know, it, it, the sad thing is, is that it took 2000 uh, mules to, uh, you know, elect a jackass that's in, in uh, office. That's exactly what's going on. A duly elected president was overthrown. And that is a treasonous event. And we need to understand that we are at war. So this is something that I take very serious and people need to start looking at who you will support. Don't send money to the GOP. Do not send it to the RNC. They're not your friends. They are not helping you. But you go and you find a, a, a local candidate, somebody that you can shake hands with and look in the eyes and ask them directly. You get on podcasts and you listen to the people there that are actually fighting and stuff. I don't know of any other congressional candidate in the country that's been involved in the um, J6, the Arizona audits, all the audits across the country is an ordained minister that sent thousands of uh, religious exemptions across the United States to uh, protect the people and everything else. And now working on Kerry Lake's, Abe Hamaday's and Tina Peters legal team to try to help them. I don't think that, uh, you know, anybody else is in that realm, but if they are, man, I would welcome them in a heartbeat. Right now, I feel like I'm on an island by myself, not able to get any help from anybody. And that's a very uh, a sad thing because like your listeners have, have listened to, I have a lot of information and I, I'm not sitting here going, well, you know, I'm not sure that the election was overthrown. I'm giving you valid points of everything that's taking place. I'm showing evidence that's going on and we have a legal system that I'm involved in. So, you know, if, if you're looking for somebody to support, I hopefully I'm one of those top candidates that are going out there. The reason why you haven't heard of me is because the media and the social media has uh, got an algorithm that we just found out last week is being manipulated by our federal government so that you can't hear about me. You can't find out. And it doesn't go out uh, uh, you know, nationwide. None of this. It's all being suppressed. So we've got to do things like this to get the message out. And there are some serious people that know exactly what's going on. And I'll be more than happy to stand by Trump's side and say, I'm ready to fight. I've been in it for two years. You know, 
four more would be uh, a piece of cake and we can save our country and our state. And that's what's important. Amen to that one, sir. Constitutional process is what we have to rely on. And you are an American first candidate. Uh, just to air out the particulars, uh, let my listeners know uh, exactly what district in Arizona are you running? I'm in Congressional District 3. I formally ran against Ruben Gallego, um, who is now going to run in 2024 for Senate to take out Kristen Sinema, who they, the, the uh, Democrats uh, hated so much that she ended up having to leave, and she's an independent now. She had to leave her own Democratic Party because she wasn't radical enough for them. So Ruben is now going to run against her. So I'm running against a, a no-name person as of yet so far, but I've also been told and shown that $50 million from George Soros and Zuckerberg and all of these people have already donated $50 million to this congressional race to go against me. So I don't need 50 million. I just need a couple of million because again, I'm running on America first and, and what is right for we the people, not right for them in Washington and for myself. Um, let my listeners know, how can they help you in this fight? Okay. Um, you can go to Jeff Zink for Congress. It, it can be the number four or F-O-R Congress. Uh, my last name is Z is in zebra, I-N-K. So jeffzinkforcongress.com forward slash donate. Um, you can donate, uh, uh, you know, uh, up to $6,600 is a max uh, uh, one for the entire uh, general and also primary. So uh, that, that covers both, both the races uh, for both years. Uh, but anything underneath that is great. Um, and what I'm trying to do is, is I just need to raise a couple of million dollars uh, because I'm not looking to have a heavy staff. Um, it's very lean. I've got maybe a handful of people that will ever be on my campaign. And so I'm not paying a lot of high salaries or anything else. A lot of it is volunteer. So the money spent will go a long ways in getting me elected instead of going into somebody else's coffers. I, if anybody is interested in following you, and I am almost 100% sure a majority of my audience will want to hear what you have to say, because the information that you have been giving is just mind-blowing. I mean, my brain is going 50 miles an hour in 30 different directions. <laughs> but where can they find you? Social media? I, mean, I, I know you just mentioned your website, but um, where, where can we look you up to see what it is that you're doing? Oh, absolutely. So one of the things that you can do on social media, you can find me Real Jeff Zink for Congress on Facebook, uh, Real Jeff Zink on Instagram, uh, Real Jeff Zink uh, at Getter, uh, Real Jeff Zink for Congress on Gab, uh, Real Jeff Zink. Pretty much if you put Real Jeff Zink, I will come up and you can follow me. Now, the thing is, you can't follow me on, on LinkedIn because I've been banned for life. Um, I, I uh, uh, went out because of my sports medicine background. Remember, I have 40 years in sports medicine. And I looked at all of the information and I correlated and wrote a paper on, on uh, LinkedIn that showed all of the 
um, deaths of people from uh, 12 years of age to uh, 28 years of age and, uh, and over a 40 year experience. So we have 40 years ago, we had approximately 100. We've averaged anywhere from 100 to 500 over those 40 years. But when we hit the COVID after we've had the injections, only when you look at the injection sites themselves, those athletes that have had it 100% of the deaths were attributed to the vaccine. 1,600 athletes have died since the introduction of the uh, vaccine for both Moderna, Pfizer, uh, and stuff. So the thing is, is that you have healthy people that are active, that the only common thread is the vaccine. I published that and put that out on uh, uh, LinkedIn, and I've been banned for life since then because they don't want that information out. Hey, don't forget, folks, to check out the description box for the links and references that you would need. Also, you can find the links to all of our sponsors down there to help keep the Sing for Freedom dream alive, keep this podcast running, and uh, help me in my fight for true justice for January 6th inmates, defendants, and their families. And also help me in my own case. You know, I'm facing 30 years and I can't do it alone, even though I didn't go in the building, which still blows my mind. But that's the America that we're dealt with right now. MammothNation.com MakeHoneyGreatAgain.com and P2PPrinting.com are our sponsors. Mammoth Nation uh, goes up against Amazon and make sure to support patriotic veteran-owned businesses. Use the promo code of FreedomJ6. That's Freedom, the letter J, the number 6. For a 30% discount, makehoneygreatagain.com, use the promo code FREEDOM, and that's how they know that I'm the one that sent you, and it helps us keep things going. And then P2P Printing, look under the Pi Anon tab, P-I-A-N-O-N, Pi Anon, because that's the name I go by online, and you can get all the Sing for Freedom gear, merchandise that your heart can desire, help make patriotism sexy again. I also want to remind everybody that in the description box, you can find a link to drop us a voice message. You want to do your national anthem for Sing for Freedom by audio only? Send us a voice message. You want to send a message to the J6ers? You can do it that way as well. And also don't forget to check out our website of sing4freedom.us. Sing4freedom.us. It's not a .com because I'm not a company. It's not .org because, well, I'm not very organized, but I am an American. So singforfreedom.us. It's the central hub of ways that you can get involved, help out our January 6th defendants with their give, send, goes. I have a very extensive list on the site, and it goes directly to them. We don't touch a penny. Uh, My give, send, go is on there as well. So if you feel so inclined to help me out in this fight to pay for a very expensive lawyer, um, you just find my name, Joseph Thomas, in the list. And uh, it's all deeply appreciated because all of us have limited resources, the federal government, 
which is destroying our lives, have unlimited resources because as good citizens, we pay our taxes. So check out the website, singforfreedom.us. There's ways that you can get involved in all the different groups. Plus, you can see the videos the Patriots submit for Sing for Freedom of them singing the anthem. Right in the middle of the interview, when we started mentioning the three-letter agencies, apparently they were listening because there were tons of technical difficulties and interference that tried to make this interview not happen. So I apologize for the break. We did our best to try to pick up where we left off, but we definitely had to jump through a few hoops to uh, make the rest of this happen. So strap in and enjoy the rest with Congress congressional candidate Jeff Zink as well as J6 or in Patriot for our nation. So thank you for listening and enjoy the rest. <laughs> wow. Uh, um, story of my life right there. I guarantee you that's a, this is what I have to deal with on a regular basis. Same here. Uh, same here. And I know the, the feds are, up my hind end and tighter than anything. So um, <laughs> go ahead and just uh, start back where what you were saying there. Uh, I'm, I'm really sorry. Oh, no, not a problem. I, it's just the listeners need to understand that when you start telling the dramatic truth that you have a big pharma that does not uh, have your best interest at heart. So you need to understand major corporations like Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Walt Disney. I mean, when you start talking about these corporations that, that they ha do not have your best interest at heart, um, uh, big pharma, what they're wanting to do, and, and let, let's just go transgender real quick. So if I can get an eight-year-old uh, person to go and, and become transgender and start taking the hormones, not only at eight, do, when you introduce that, does it castrate them, both male and female? It, it's both, both ends. They will be sterile for life. So that means they're not re reproducing. The other is, is the psychological damage that is taking place there make them do things, which is what we've been showing all along. And we just had it, had it happen in a Christian school, a transgender shoots up and kills people, not because of, uh, uh, of the ideology of, of what it represents, but what's inside of them and, and what they've been told. We have trans people coming out now stating that if I knew now, what I know, I made a decision when I was young that I should have never been allowed to uh, uh, have happened. You know, I've got grandkids that, that uh, you know, want to be a fireman, uh, want to be a nurse, want to be this, want, you know, and then the other day they go, well, I want to be an airplane because I want to fly, fly everywhere. Well, you can't be an airplane, but you know what, though? You're four years old. Okay, be an airplane. But you don't have to, uh, you know, continue to uh, play in this fantasy of what they're living in. And, and so I choose not to. Uh, and the thing is, is that with big pharma, 
that yeah, every person that they flip to be a uh, trans person, that is worth $29 million over their lifetime. Think about that. That's $29 million that they would not have received had they not got them involved in this. They will always have to be taking the drugs. Uh, if you are a trans woman, you have to be taking the estrogen in order to keep the breast tissue and everything else. Most of them get breast implants and stuff there. If you're female, you end up having to have a penile uh, uh, uh portion that is now uh, presented, but the urinary tract act actually is not uh, formulated properly. And if it doesn't, you have constant urinary tract infections as a uh, female trans male uh, and stuff, whereas most males never experience urinary tract infections. We just don't. But with them, they always will. Well, now you're on antibiotics. You're always constantly uh, doing pharmacology uh, to uh, establish all this. These are things that people don't realize. Oh, it's just, you know, we need to let them go and they'll go away. Less than 1% of the population is making 99% of the noise we need to go back and understand that 99% of the people don't want to do this. There, I, I've never had any uh, trans tendencies, homosexual uh, tendency. That doesn't mean that I uh, am a phobic of them. I'm not. Um, but I also understand and address it the way that it should be, which is all of it is sin. Christ died once and for all for all sin. If we introduce them to Jesus Christ, he will be the person that changes their heart. He will be the person that will rectify them. He will be able to then forgive them of their sin. That's not my job. I don't forgive sins. But I do introduce them to the Father above that is the creator and the understanding of what's happening. And until we start having people look at our situation and understand that this is a rebellion against a heavenly father that created us and that has done things for us and provided a way that we cannot save ourselves. There's no salvation in ourselves. It's only through accepting Christ as our Lord and savior. And the thief on the cross is a great example, but we have to have people brave enough to sit down and start addressing this and saying that. And as an ordained minister, you have my, my promise that when I'm on uh, the congressional floor on Tuesday nights at midnight, I will bring this nation and state of Arizona to the foot of the cross every Tuesday night. I will preach that and I will tell them uh, uh, what is important and that it, they, it's a free choice. And if they want to uh, reject it, that's on them. But man, I'm telling you, the, the fact of uh, the person who goes, I don't believe in God and I don't believe in all of this and there's nothing else, then why is it that you want to come after me because I don't have an effect on you? I don't change your life. And at the end, when you die, if I'm wrong and you're right, Okay, there's nothing uh, uh, to worry about. But man, if you are wrong and I am right, 
and I lived for my heavenly father and done the right thing. And I believed in Christ. I live eternity with my heavenly father. And that is basic sin. That's just, that's just Christ 101. And people need to go back to that. And it's great that Ashbury is, uh, you know, we, we had the revival. We've got a revival that's starting out right now. Guess what? I was saved May 12, 1972, the first Ashbury with, uh, with Chuck and, and, and everybody there. And, and Greg Laurie and I are very close to the same age uh, and stuff. And we were saved. And yet he has a church. I've been kicked out of my church. My church didn't want to have me there. I'm too political. Um, and the thing is, is that I sat down and where's Billy Graham? He went to go with the, uh, to be with their heavenly father. I was hoping Franklin would, uh, you know, step in and, and start doing this, but he's more administrative. Who is actually preaching the word of God to this nation and telling them to turn from their ways uh, and, and what they're doing? It's not that it's condemnation and what they're doing. It's condemnation because their sin is separated them from God. And this is a way to get back uh, uh, with God uh, and stuff. And that, that message is not being preached today. And our churches and our ministers are failing the congregation so horribly badly that they're going to be so angry when they wake up and they find out that just to get along to get along was is not working now. And our country is on dire need and our government is completely out of control. If you could give a message to America, my audience and America as a whole. Um, you know, regarding everything that has transpired over the last several years, whether it be election integrity in January 6th or the spiritual condition of our nation and its leaders, uh, what would it be? We, we have got to start getting the message out that uh, Christ is Lord. Um, uh, that that in, in a nutshell will, will go across everything. If you introduce a person uh, to Jesus Christ, their their life changes forever. They start having a moral compass. Then they start worrying about the children and how they're taught. And, and you start affecting the schools. They started uh, uh, watching what's taking place in their community. And now they're starting to hold their um, elected officials uh, more accountable. Then they start looking at the details of what's going on at the state level and federal level. That's the awareness starts to go to where instead of it being self-centered, that they start being selfless, which is exactly what Christ did. He was selfless and he died on the cross for us. So, you know, making sure that your faith is strong enough to handle somebody who's going to act like a fool, yell and scream. I and I and I had this uh, when I'm out campaigning and I'm out uh, out there. But the one thing I, I hold to is is this: if I'm not going to do it, who who's going to stand in the gap? I'm doing it now. I need somebody else. I need somebody in your listener to sit down and go, okay, so what do I do? Well, 
I, you know, getting right with, with God uh, is the number one thing. Then turn around and asking how to be a PC, a precinct committeeman, or the grassroots. It may be called something else. In Texas, I think it's uh, uh, precinct chair. Um, but the thing is, it's the grassroots. Um, then start going to the legislative district meetings and then start getting involved with uh, who is going to be your congressman um, and, and sitting down and talking with them. And if you can't talk to them, like I couldn't talk with Ruben, then file your papers and run against them. Start being active. Start doing the things that there and start helping the people and reach out. I have my phone blows up every day uh, because people are needing help. They're needing leadership. They're looking for people like you, your listeners, and you have answers. You may not have all the answers, but you know, go to my website, ask me. I can I can assure you I can give you answers. I can give you a lot of answers and try to help you. And I and the great thing about running for Congress, I now have people in every state now that know who I am that I can call and say, hey, reach out to this person, talk to them and help them get plugged in. The thing is, is that if you do nothing, nothing gets done. But if you do something, even if it's the wrong thing at the beginning, you know, God says that that, that uh, he does all things for his glory. All right. And Satan does horrible things, but it always reflects uh, wonderful on God. And we need to take that at its face value and do that and, and get involved with it. So, you know, um, do if you if you don't want to do prayer or you don't want to do money uh, or I mean, uh, or, or do the physical aspect, then do money. If you've got enough money, you know, you can do that. Um, if you don't have any money, but you've got time, do your time. Uh, there and if you and if you don't have time do prayer uh, those kind of go hand in hand but do prayer and start praying for a country start i pray for biden every day and we need to make sure you're being prayed for because god listens to that and he also answers that well, my audience definitely understands that um since day one i have preached that this is America's Shadrach. Oh, you're breaking up really bad. Try that again. Yep. Is this better? Oh, yeah. Now I can hear you. My audience understands that I have said from day one that this is America's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego moment, and we cannot bow to Nebuchadnezzar. We cannot bow to tyranny. And You're almost, you're almost mechanical. I get a word. The feds need better bandwidth. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> um, but we cannot bow to Nebuchadnezzar. And this is a moment in our history where we need to decide who is it that we serve. And the Bible tells us if we humble ourselves and repent from our sin and seek the Lord, that he will restore our land. So the message that you are giving us, sir, is 100% on point. And if any of my listeners are from the state of Arizona and have a chance to vote for Mr. Zink, I can't tell you how to vote. 
but my opinion is you should definitely check his box on your ballot because he is America first, God-driven, divinely inspired, and has a life experience and the knowledge to back up everything that he has brought that can change this nation back to her original glory. If you could give, and uh, briefly, because I'm actually supposed to be interviewing your son right now, but we've run a little over, but that's perfectly fine <laughs> because what you have been doing is amazing. If you could give a message to January 6th defendants, their families, the inmates, uh, what would it be, sir? If there's anything I can do for you personally, reach out to me and talk to me. Uh, email me. Call me. I will. I if it's a fundraiser, if it's anything at all, I will show up and I will. I will do that. I will preach the word of God uh, and to the other people. Uh, but more importantly, if it's anything at all, I will show up to try to help them. And the other thing too is, is this: everybody needs to pray for Biden, and this is how you pray: Psalms one hundred nine eight. May his days be few. May another take his position. That's straight out of the Bible. When I say pray for him, I, you know, use the Bible and use it for your being a weapon. This is the reason why you need to be in the Bible to understand when people say pray for your enemies, there's a way to pray for them. And that's how I pray for Biden. Well, I like to end all of my shows with the same phrase, and that is that the Brandon administration ain't got nothing on we the people because we're Americans, and it's going to stay yep. that way. Exactly. Amen. If you made it this far, first of all, thank you. I certainly appreciate everybody's support and trying to get the information out in this fight for justice, the fight for freedom, the fight to save our nation and restore her back to her original glory. I want to let everyone know that these facts are public, open source, and you can look them up and see for yourselves. There is proof of election fraud. There is evidence of malfeasance in our election systems. And there's also proof and tons of evidence of what happened on January 6th. You guys have been hearing it and saying it here the entire time. So don't just take our word for it. You can find it for yourself. We work in verified news, verifiable facts, and we go directly to the source. That's why you hear directly from those that are involved. First-hand accounts, because that's what matters. Next week, we will be speaking with his son, Ryan, to hear his side of the story as well. Since they both went together, I wanted to interview them together, but give them their own independent time so that way there is no time limit and they can truly get their story out uninhibited, raw, and unfiltered. So until next time. I want to encourage everybody to sing the anthem. We do the Sing for Freedom campaign and have been pushing it for two years. Hashtag sing the number four freedom. It helps revitalize patriotism. 
it shows the families and the inmates and defendants of January 6th that you stand in solidarity with them, that you don't agree with the injustices that are being pushed upon them by the federal government, like periodic beatings, macings, destruction of their lives, the taking of their homes, simply for being peaceful. It also brings awareness to the suffering that they go through, to get more eyes, hearts, minds, and voices involved. And for those that don't know, you might ask, well, what, what is Sing for Freedom? The inmates inside the jail sing the national anthem every night at 9 p.m. Eastern from their cells, behind steel doors. And when we heard that, we pushed it out into the public and said, get involved, let's stand and sing with them. So we do, every single night. Thousands of patriots across the country stand in solidarity with American citizens that have not been to trial, have not been convicted of any crime, even though they sit in prison for two years in the most abhorrent conditions. And this isn't just for those that are locked up. This is also for the inmates that have been sentenced who lost their due process rights. This is also for the defendants that are sitting at home on electronic confinement. This is for any of those that are persecuted, prosecuted, and discriminated against because they dared to speak up and say, we love this nation. I also want you to visit the website, sing4freedom.us. Singforfreedom.us is a central hub where you can find everything and anything you need to get involved and help out. If you want to donate to their Give, Send, Goes to help their families and their fundraisers, it's there. And it goes directly to them. No middleman. Nobody's here to get a profit. But it goes help them save their homes. Help them get lawyers. Help them get what they need. To stand up against this tyranny and you can also find groups that get involved and do tons and tons of things for the january 6th defendants inmates and their families things that many people might not think of like getting them phone cards so that they can speak to their families and loved ones getting them commissary on their books because they don't get enough food legal defense research funds people out here boots on the ground getting involved so check them out get involved and speak up you can also send a voice message for this podcast and we'll broadcast you live so that everybody can hear and the families can share in your love of nation as well